taking off the mask because I can't come on somebody. I got this glow under this thing. I haven't stood under this thing yet. This is good. This feels good. How are you guys doing tonight? You good? Awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? This is new to me. Come on. You guys good? I've I've been hearing this voice in my head uh, for like the past couple weeks, and it's it's not the Holy Spirit, unfortunately. Uh, But the voice in my head, it just keeps saying this thing, and I want to do it tonight. He keeps saying, shoot. And so tonight, I want to split the room into three sections. Section number one, oh, we're going to do this because I'm preaching tonight. You want to preach, you could do that uh, and not do it. But when I preach, I'm going to do it. This is uh, section number two. You guys are also included in section number two. And uh, you guys are section number three. You guys are the loudest. So uh, this is going to be lit. I can't wait to point you guys. When I point at you, you need to say, Everybody, come on, at the count of three, let's just say it all together. Ready? One, two, three. All right, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to point at you, and you're going to start saying it. When I point at you again, you need to stop your first sheesh and go to the second sheesh. You got it? It's going to be just a bombardment of different sheeshes in the room. Uh, We're saying S-H-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-S-H. Chill out, all right? I know some of y'all Hispanics. Y'all be like, hey, pero papi, ¿qué está diciendo? No, 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 Download TikTok. Follow me on it. Y'all know what we're talking about. Whatever. Y'all ready? I'm going to point at you, and you need to say... Okay, all right. You got to be loud and crazy. It's going to sound beautiful in this room. It's going to sound just as good as worship. Ready, ready, ready. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? 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 One, two, three. (sighs) You guys are disgusting. So cringe. Ew. That hurt my heart, honestly. I enjoy it, but it also hurts. It's like a good kind of pain. Um. I am so excited to be with you guys tonight. We are starting a brand new series. Anybody excited about that? The Book of Galatians. Somebody's like, what's Galatians? I don't know what that is. It's called Galatians. That's the book in the Bible that we're going to be reading. Uh, And I am so excited. The reason, somebody say reason. The reason why we're going through this book is because I do not want 2021 to go by and for you to look at the year and say, man, I did not even finish a single book in the Bible. And so for the month of April, somebody say April. If you haven't caught on by now, I like when y'all talk with me as I'm preaching. So for the month of April, what we're going to be doing is going through the entire book of Galatians. It's crazy. It's only six chapters, so it's not going to take us 5,000 years. This is not going to be that church where you're here for three hours. No, we're going to get a good reading of the word. We're going to get a good understanding of what the writer is saying. And by the end of April, you are going to finish an entire book in the Bible. Come on, give it up for yourselves. Come on, give it up for yourselves. That's what we're doing this month. We're finishing a book in the Bible. My goal is that at the end of this series, you would say, man, if it was that easy and that amazing to read an entire book in the Bible in one month, imagine what I could do in May. Imagine what I could do in June. Man, if this was so amazing, just reading one entire book in the Bible, imagine what next month's book that God has for me uh, is going to do in my life. Now, I want to let you know in advance, uh, the next month's series is not going to be a book in the Bible because that's going to be your personal series in your bedroom, in your kitchen, in your morning uh, devotionals with God. You're going to have a second series at home, Uh, whatever book of the Bible God's going to lead you to. But for this month, all together, we're doing the book of Galatians. Somebody say Galatians. Anybody take notes on a Tuesday night? Anybody in the room? Can I see it? Can I see it? Can you show it to me? If you take notes, come on behind me, all around me. I like it. I like it. If it glows in the dark, it's pretty cool. If it doesn't, uh, it's also cool. I love taking notes anytime that I hear the Word of God. uh, Because I believe what you're going to hear tonight, it's not for tonight. 
Like, you don't need this when you walk out those doors. You need this when you wake up in the morning and you want to curse your boss out. You're going to need this on Friday when you want to go to the club because all your exes just hit you up. They're going to be there at the same time. And you're like, dang, that's a party. That's when you're going to need this. It's not going to be when you walk out the doors and you go out hanging out with church people. It's actually when you hang out with unchurched people that you need the word of God. So how the heck do I take this out with me? I take notes on a Tuesday night, on a Sunday morning. If you come into church on a Sunday, uh, you are double blessed. Come on, somebody. Um, but we're taking notes. If you don't take notes, it's the best night to start taking notes. And uh, the first note I want you to write down is the title of my sermon. It's really going to set the pace. It's going to show you the heart of this series. The title of tonight's sermon is Only Jesus. That's what it is. Can I keep it simple tonight? Can I do that? It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. I want to give you a couple of things before we even dive into the sermon. So I'm going to share with you a little bit of information on the book of Galatians. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into tonight's word. Number one, it's the authors. Please write all this down. The author of the book of Galatians is the Apostle Paul. That is undisputed. That is 100% clear. Many people don't know when it was specifically written, but we are all clear that Paul, the Apostle, wrote this. Now, what's interesting about this letter, it's one of the first letters he's ever written to any of the churches that started after Jesus resurrected. So this book is a good foundational book for your faith. See, a big reason why I wanted to do this series on the Galatians is because I wanted to show you how to keep your faith genuine. I've learned that the longer I spend time in church, the easier it is for my faith to look less like Jesus and look more like a service. I've learned that the people who spend the most time in church are often the ones who look least like Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to go to one of Paul's first letters to the church, and I want to show all of us, including myself, how to keep our faith genuine. Come on. How many of y'all know if it's genuine, it's going to last? If it's genuine, it's going to last. Not all things that grow are healthy, but everything that is healthy grows. And I want you to be a healthy Christian. Maybe you got saved in Easter and you're like, all right, well, what the heck do I do now? We're going to go to this book and we're going to show you how to keep your faith genuine. Who did he write this to? He wrote this to a church in Asia Minor. It's the church in Galatia. That's why it's called Galatians. And why did he write this book? I really want you, maybe not to write this down because it's a little long, but I want you to understand this. Look, Paul started this church. After Jesus resurrected, Paul had a moment with Jesus. His life was changed. He started the church. He bounced to go start another church. And when Paul left this church in Asia, some other people started coming into the church. And these new people that came into the church were teaching people a different version of the gospel. You see, the gospel means the good news. And the good news was that the way you'd make it to heaven and have eternity with God the Father is through Jesus Christ. We've heard this before. John 3.16, as Joe Bell shared, we've heard verses like Jesus saying, the only way to the Father in heaven is through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's only Jesus. See, when Paul left, other people came in and they said, no, 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 no. The way that you make it to heaven is, yes, through Jesus, but you also have to add that you got to get circumcised. Some of us who, who don't come to church, we're like, what? <laughs> like, why, out of everything you could add, like, why would you add circumcision to make it to heaven? What I want you to understand is that circumcision actually used to be a ritual that, were, that was practiced by God's people. See, before Jesus was born, before anything happened in the life of Jesus, the way you would communicate your promise to God to follow him was by getting circumcised. 
That was your sign of God. You're going to follow your side of the deal. I'm going to follow my side of the deal. This is the, this is the, the symbol. This is the image. This is the ritual that we are going to have a relationship. It was circumcision. So what people were doing in Paul's church that he started is they were saying, no, 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 it's not through just Jesus. It's through Jesus and circumcision. I think a lot of us, we, we did that tonight. I don't know if in worship you just weren't feeling it because just Jesus was not enough. You needed Jesus and something. I, I don't know if maybe you came into the room and you're like, man, tonight it just doesn't feel good because I, I know I got Jesus. He's in the room, but I'm missing Jesus and something else. I got Jesus, but I don't got chills on my skin. I'm missing Jesus and, and what Paul is doing in this season, what Paul is doing in this letter is he's saying, no, 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 it's not Jesus and circumcision. It's just Jesus. What you need, I'm going to go back to my sermon title. It's only Jesus. Now, there's two groups of people you need to understand. We're going to pray, get into the word. Uh, number one is Jew. You got to know Jew. And uh, other parts of this letter, they're not called Jews. They're actually called the circumcised. It's kind of what we talked about just now. The second group of people, the first one being Jew, the second group of people is Gentile. Another word for them that you might see in this letter is uncircumcised. Basically, a Gentile was anybody who just wasn't a Jew. You could be Puerto Rican, you could be Colombian, whatever. If you're not a Jew, you're just a Gentile. That's what it is. But the Jews would often refer to Gentiles as sinners because they were not like them. That might sound like us, but that's not this sermon today. We're, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. I, I need to pray for this word before I receive it and before you receive it. Come on, pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the moments that we share together as a church, God. Thank you for the memories that you're building in this room, God. These moments of worship, this moment of you speaking your truth, it's gonna mark me for the rest of my life, God. I'm gonna be a better father in the future because of what you said today, God. I'm gonna be a better son, a better boyfriend, a better husband in the future because of what you're sharing in my life today. And Lord, I pray that at the end of tonight, I would not be a better version of myself, but that I would be a better reflection of who you are, Jesus. Come on, everybody in this room, we're gonna close out this prayer. Repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I'm here. Speak to me. I'm listening. And everybody says, amen and amen. Um, I, I got this, uh, this friend in, in high school. I, I won't share his name just in case he listens to the podcast or he comes to church one day and you rat me out on him. Um, but my boy, he, he and I, we, we were very uh, much rivals on the court. I, I used to play basketball. I played uh, AAU for my entire high school uh, career. It's just a cooler way of saying high school that you went through it, right? My high school career, I was playing AAU basketball, and we were on different teams. And so we would go to different tournaments, sometimes in the same tournament, but different games because AAU is very fast-paced. You finish one game, you got like a 15-minute break, and you got the next game at a different court somewhere else in the building. And so we go to tournaments, and then we come to school on Monday. Yo, bro, like... What place did your team get on this tournament, bro? We got first place. You got first place. Dang. We got like third or like third to last more likely. <laughs> and in every tournament, he was just, his team was always better than my team. So much so that I never even faced off against his team. Because we could never stay in the tournament long enough to ever get to verse him, whether it's the semifinals or the finals. And, and I remember I, we would always share stories. Bro, I crossed this guy to the floor, bro. And there was like these shorties on the, on the side of the court. And bro, I crossed him right in front of him. And then my boy, he would come out. Bro, you, there was 10 baddies in front of me. And I crossed him. Oh, and I would, I would have to follow him up. I'm like, no, 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 no. There was 10 baddies. And behind them, there was D1 coaches. And I crossed this guy to the floor. And we would always follow each other up with a better story. 
But I, I, I do remember this one specific time. This is crazy. He's so crazy. I was like, bro, like, I, I went here. I dropped, like, 15 points in this game against this rank guy. I, I was saucing this guy up, right? And he, it's time for him to tell his story. He's like, bro, you will not believe what I did in the final game of this tournament. I said, bro, what you did? He's like, bro, I was dribbling the ball, and I crossed the guy, and he didn't fall. So I crossed him two times, and he didn't fall. Bro, I, I promise you guys, I kid you not, this is the most traumatizing moment of my life. He went 30-plus seconds talking about one move that he made against this one guy who ended up falling. And, and, and here's something you need to understand, because you probably don't know basketball, so let me help you understand. If a good coach sees one player making 50,000 moves without passing the ball, Come on, if you know ball, let me know what he's going to do. He's going to bench him, right? He's going to bench him. So I knew by the amount of moves he was telling me that he was making that this story, all cap. I was like, bro, you're moving too much. It, I know your coach. He used to be my coach. I, I, you know my coach. We're in the same community of basketball. If coach sees you doing that, he's going to bench you. He's like, bro, no, you don't. I, 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 I went like this, and he looked at me, and I was like, oh, yeah, puppy. And then I went like this, and I had the spin moves, and I was, and I'm like, bro, 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 ain't nobody do that many moves in a basketball game. I said, bro, you're talking too much, and you're sharing way too many moves. I know you're lying. Maybe you don't know basketball like that, but maybe you have somebody on your Instagram making moves in silence, baby. Somebody in this room is like, bro, I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> chill. Chill, Pastor Dennis. Chill. Making moves. If you don't see my work, it's because I'm working at night when you're sleeping. Rise and grind. Hashtag grinders. Like, bro, ch that's weird. Chill. We make it. They post in everybody's car except for their own car. Like, bro, chill. You know, something I've learned through so many people in life is that making moves doesn't necessarily mean that you're moving. And I, I just want to go back, not to yesterday, not to last week. I want to go back to the last 15 minutes of service. Because some of us, we were probably in this room, and we were moving our hands, but our hearts were standing still. Some of us were waving our Bibles on Instagram, but we're not walking behind the Word of God. And what I want you to understand is that making moves doesn't mean that you're moving big picture of Galatians. Let's keep our faith genuine. Can I give you a truth? Can I do that? I want you to write this down. Only God's grace can move you forward. Only if there's anything you get tonight, I pray get this, that you write it down, tattoo it on your heart, that you keep it with you, that only God's grace can move you forward. Only God's grace can give you not just a promotion, but a promotion that matters. Not only God, God's grace can only not just give you peace, but peace that lasts. Not only does God's grace give you stability, but it gives you stability that is consistent. Only God's grace can move you forward. Check this out. If that's not good enough, nothing in life will ever be. And you'll be making a lot of moves, but you'll be standing in the same place. You're making a lot of moves. You won't be going anywhere else. You'll be making a lot of motion, but it's just noise. And in this letter, the book of Galatians, this is what Paul is addressing. Because there was false teachers that were saying, no, 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 you got to make moves. You got to get circumcised, boy. You want to be saved? You want to make it to heaven? You got to get baptized.
baptized. You got to speak in tongues. You got to do this and you got to do that. You got to look this certain way, act this certain way. You need to go through the full process if you want to get saved. Make moves, baby. If you just say that you love Jesus, that's not good enough. Make moves. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. That's not the message that I shared And Paul, look what he's doing. He's in this position because now the church is actually questioning Paul. Like, you told us this story about Jesus, but these guys are telling us something else. Like, are you even real? Like, are you truly? They start doubting Paul's authority given by God. They say, Paul, are you even an apostle? And so you'll read on your own time, read it on your own time. Chapters 1 and 2 is Paul addressing himself as a true apostle of Christ. The first two chapters of six chapters are spent him proving to the church that he is who God says he is. The false prophets, they're here, they're standing. And, and the way that they share the story is, is they say, well, I'm circumcised. And so if I'm circumcised and I know Jesus, guess what you need to do? You need to get circumcised. Well, this is, this is how I live my faith out. And if this is how I live my faith out and I know Jesus, this is how you need to live your faith out. I, I want to know myself, how, how often does that sound like us? Come on, church, lift your hands. He's not lifting his hands. Come on, church, lift your hands. He's not lifting. Come on, church, lift your hands. How many times we do that? How many times do we put people in spots without lights and we force them to do certain things because they're churchy, because they look like something that's supposed to happen in the building, but the reality is this is not what Jesus was looking for in that moment. How many times do we tell people to do the right thing for the wrong reasons? I'm circumcised, so you got to be circumcised. I lift my hands, so you got to lift your hands. I post when I read my Bible, so you got to post when you read your Bible. I love, and I think Paul is the most unintelligent, intelligent man in the Bible. Because Paul's in a position where he has to prove that his side of the story is the right side. The story I shared to you about Jesus is the truth. What they're sharing is not the truth. And this is Paul's apologetic argument to the church. And let's look at how he does it. I love it. Ready? Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. We'll start it off here. He says, dear brothers and sisters... I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. Verse 12, I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a churchy person, you're like, damn, well, that's good. That's good right there. <laughs> Paul just tore it up. He tore them down. But I need to let you know who Paul is writing to. He's not writing to people who understand who God is because these are not people who are circumcised. These are the uncircumcised people he's writing to. He's writing to Gentiles. So when he says that, I, that nobody taught me this, that, that I, I, nobody's even taught this in books, that there's no teachers in this, that I received it directly from God, I can imagine the people saying like, oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, so what you mean to say is that you didn't get this from nobody but yourself? <laughs> What Paul just said right here is the exact same thing Mary said to Joseph when she said she was pregnant. Well, how do you know you're pregnant? Because God said so. Well, who did you sleep with? I didn't sleep with nobody. So how'd you get pregnant? It was God. Mary, you were disgusted. Ew. You slept with God? No, I didn't sleep with God. He just put a baby in me. And this is what Mary's response was to Joseph. The same thing that Paul says to the church. He says... I want you to understand that this message that I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. In other words,
other words, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense. Verse 12, I received my message from no human source. In other words, nobody else is sharing the story. I love when he says this. And no one taught me. <laughs> like if you're trying to prove that your evidence is true, you would at least put a good teacher above you. How do you know this? Oh, Pastor Gabby told me. And oh, oh, Pastor Gabby, he knows what he's talking about. But look what Paul says. Paul doesn't put anybody above him. He just says, uh, nobody taught me this, actually. Well, Paul, how do you know what your, story, your side of the story is true? Because nobody taught me it. So, so how did you learn this? I, I received it from Jesus Christ himself. Paul, this sounds like a cult. Paul, this doesn't sound like actual theology. Paul, I can't, I can't stand firm on this. Paul, you're really making me choose between two stories, yours and theirs, and you're not giving me enough evidence to follow the Jesus that you're telling me to follow. All you're saying is that no one taught you. All you're saying is that no one thinks this way. All you're saying is that there's no book I can go to to read about this, but he told you himself. Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you where he changes. Because we always get that first part right. Oh, just because God told me because Pastor Priest said on a Sunday. We always do that. We, we do that, and it's not enough evidence. But I love the very next verse, verse 13. Paul gives us what we all need to start practicing when we share our faith. He says, you know what I was like when I follow the Jewish religion. Dang. That part. Look, look what his response is. He says... You know what I was like. Paul looks at the people in there, and he's writing this, but I believe he, he's spiritually looking into their eyes, and he says, come on, man. You know what I used to do. You know how I used to be. Uh, this is the turning point of the entire book, and it's right in the beginning, chapter 1. He says, you know what I was like. When I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead from my fellow Jews in my zeal, my passion for traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And it pleased him to reveal his son to me. It was good to God to show me who Jesus was. It was delightful to God to show his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. He says, you know what I was like. I, I read this and I had to ask myself, and I hope you ask yourself this right now. Can you tell people around you that phrase like are you in a place with God are you in a place in your relationship with Jesus where you can tell people come on man you know what I was like you know what I used to do or is it going to be that when you tell people you know what I was like they would say yeah you're still that person come on man you know what I was like yeah you're still the same way you know what Jesus did to me I'm not seeing anything at all come on bro you know what I used to do you're still doing it today come on you know that I used to fight you know that I used to do this you know I used to sell on the block yeah but bro you still do it see but Paul he was so transformed by the love of God he was so pardoned by the grace of God that he was in a place where he could say come on you know what I used to do and just in that sense alone, people could see the change that Jesus can do in someone's life. I want to write this down. I want you to write this down, better said. 
And I hope this messes you up just like it messed me up. I hope it stops you on your tracks like it stopped me. I hope it makes you put your spirit, everything that you do for God on pause and just reflect. I want you to write this down. If you add anything to grace, it stops being from God. If you add anything to grace, it's no longer God. It's just you. See, grace is the unearned, undeserved favor of God. And as Christians, we got a problem with that. I got a problem when I can't earn grace. Because if I can't earn it, I can't control it. I got a problem when I can't demand grace from God because when I need it the most, I don't know if it's truly going to happen. If I can earn grace, then grace is dependent on me, not on God. So I can do it all by myself. And my problem with grace being unearned and undeserved is that it's always in God's conditions. And here's the frustrating part about God's conditions is that there is none. At least if he had conditions, I could learn them and master them and work my way around them and manipulate God and his conditions. But God doesn't have a condition for his love. He just gives it. Just gives it. And what they were teaching is that you need to be circumcised to get this love. No, no, Paul was saying, you already got the love. Wait, so if I sin today, God's still going to love me? Yeah. Wait, so if I murder somebody today, God's still going to love me? What? Yeah. Wait, but, but is there anything that I could do to, like, get more of God's grace? No. It's got to be there. <laughs> and you being there is contingent on the life that he gives you. So really, there's like double of him giving to you. It's just, there's nothing you can do. You can't choose when you wake up. You can't choose when you go, when you, when you die. You can't choose any of these things. This is all under God's plan. And God's grace is saying, hey, there's no road to this thing. There's no map to this thing called grace. There's no GPS coordinate that you can put in for God's love. It's just there. And any time that we try to control God's love and add something, it no longer is from God.